Hello, and welcome to GovConnect, where we sit down with local government innovation experts to bring you insightful stories and advice on technology, best practices, and the latest trends. And here's our host, Andrew Kirk. Hello, I'm Andrew K. Kirk, City Source Chief Revenue Officer, and today I'm chatting with Julia Richmond, the Chief Innovation and Technology Officer at City of Boulder, Colorado. As our listeners hopefully know, our goal with the GovConnect podcast is to speak with as many interesting and diverse Chief Innovation Officers, Chief Information Officers, and IT leaders in order to learn about their rapidly changing roles in local government. Julia, welcome to GovConnect. Thank you. Glad to be here. Awesome. So I'm sad to say I've never been to Boulder. So for others out there listening who haven't, what's the one thing you tell all outsiders that they need to make sure they do when they visit your city? Boulder is known for a lot of great features, uh, but I think the thing that it's known for uh, with the most renown is uh, the access to the outdoors. Um, In the 70s, the voters passed an ordinance that set aside tax dollars to buy back open space. And um, the city has three times the amount of uh, public land and open space than it does built environment. Um, And that public land surrounds uh, the entire city. And the city itself is nestled uh, up against something called the Flatirons, which is basically a tectonic plate that um, you can see the side of. And um, so there's awesome climbing and hiking and the city, you know, you can run to a trail right from your office um, in the city. So awesome, awesome access to the outdoors. Sounds like an incredible physical environment. Well, let's shift our attention to your role as an IT leader in local government. First of all, can you just tell us a little bit about your unique career history? Yeah. Uh, So I have always been in technology and government, and I got there by accident, actually. Um, So I I started consulting um, out of a public policy degree, uh, hoping that I could kind of learn about lots of different public sector issues um, and work with lots of different um, organizations. Um, And I joined one of the big consulting firms and, and spent about 10 years uh, working with state and local governments, higher ed, and some um, big nonprofits. Um, and when I started consulting, I thought I was going to do uh, transportation-related work because um, that was one of the areas I focused on in policy school, thinking that it was a really dynamic area of policy and one that was changing a lot. And I'll come back to that because uh, my career has sort of come back to mobility, uh, certainly because it's one of the areas that's disrupting most quickly right now. Uh, what turned out to be the case is that in 2008, there was a gigantic financial crisis and governments were really looking to cut costs. And at that time, um, technology had become such a thing, um, but was not managed in, in a way that was also managing costs, that sort of IT cost reduction, transformation and consolidation became a real area of focus for uh, a lot of my clients. And then uh, the 10 years that followed, uh, the needs around technology transformation really changed. So, you know, cloud technologies really emerged in, in 07, but at that time it was just sort of, you know, we have servers and people and websites and applications that are sprawling and expensive. And so how do we start to consolidate our environment and, uh, and manage that more holistically? And then it was, oh, how do we like move into cloud technologies? And then it was, oh my gosh, cybersecurity is a real thing. How do we start to manage that? And then the last couple of years when I was consulting, 
innovation and technology began to be a thing that was connected more specifically, and innovation as a government function began to emerge. About that time, uh, the city of Boulder was starting to hire uh, the innovation and analytics officer, uh, which is basically a chief data officer combined with an innovation officer. And I was recruited um, away from my consulting job and and decided to join the city, recognizing that I had spent uh, a decade helping a lot of other communities and was really interested in coming back to my home state and contributing to the the knowledge capital and the government sector here. Um, So I joined the city uh, 2017 in January as the innovation and analytics officer. And uh, November of last year, uh, I took on the role of CIO as well, overseeing the enterprise technology function. Um, Obviously, I had had that background. um, And so it was a a good win to kind of combine um, those two efforts and the, the functions in the city. That's great. One of the things that's been really interesting to me, getting the pleasure to host and talk to a lot of leaders in your same role is how many have some form of consulting background, which to me is really interesting because when I was in business school and I knew the folks that were really geared up and really working hard to want to go into consulting, I never heard any of them say my long-term goal is eventually to go into government, but you're probably a little different in that you have that policy background. So was that something that was always on your radar? Did it come up more and more as you were consulting longer? How did that really plant a seed in your mind that that was going to be the next phase of your career to move from consulting to the public sector? Um, It's always been my career path, actually. Even in undergrad, I was a government major focused on um, political theory and law and uh, in grad school focused on organizations and institutions uh, of government. Really, my passions are uh, engaging communities with the places that they live, building tools for people to build, participate, and support democracy, that sort of transparent, interactive, accessible government. Um, it's just something I've always been really interested in. And um, working with clients on that as a consultant, um, it was an easy transition to be my own client, <laughs> is the case maybe here. But yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of always been my passion. And, and the firm that I joined has... a a very big public sector practice. So I was actually not alone in the interest in serving government and and sort of working uh, for the the public good. So you touched on this briefly, but just over a year into your role there at the city, you were the chief innovation and analytics officer, and then you ended up rolling the technology department into your responsibilities. What was the thought process internally to make this change? And how has that change been helpful? And how is it added additional challenges to your role? Yeah, we talked a lot about whether it made sense for innovation to be combined into technology when um, the opportunity came uh, that the city needed a new CIO. Uh, Our philosophy here is that every innovation is not technology um, and every technology is not innovation. Um, We'll just say that both ways. And part of that is that our theory is really innovation happens at all levels and innovation can happen with any employee. The idea being that if what we think of as innovation is the iPhone or, you know, a man on the moon, 
no one will ever participate in that process who has, you know, any amount of self-doubt or a new employee in a role or somebody who doesn't just think of themselves as an entrepreneur. Um, and we've weighted those so much that only Mark Zuckerberg is somebody who can be innovative as opposed to, you know, the frontline staff in the licensing office or something like that. Uh, and so we wanted to really focus on kind of core skill building and capacity building at the individual staff level um, and make sure that we didn't sort of tie up everything with widgets and dongles and sensors and blinky lights. Um, and so, you know, I've spent a lot of time really coaching staff in the city such that the tools for innovation are not things with cords. It's how you scope problems, tools for solving problems, um, building a network of other human beings in the city that can provide insight and guidance, understanding the user's perspective and building that into your problem statement and your solution set, shrinking the consequence of, of large experiments by piloting and testing and building sort of incremental success models. So it's, it's really these sort of tools of experimentation that we talk about when we talk about innovation versus um, technology in itself. And we've been able to sort of maintain that program uh, really focused on uh, the staff and sort of data-driven decision-making above everything else. So as you said, in your own words, the technology isn't necessarily the innovation. Innovation isn't necessarily have to be technology. So looking at the innovation side of your team, how is that made up? And more importantly, how does that staff then go out and interact with other departments? In my last few years as a consultant, I saw many different models for uh, departments of innovation and technology, some that were very top down, some that uh, were very sort of opportunistic. And I really feel like the success model I've seen work well in government. And the thing that makes it sticky beyond just the personality of the innovation officer is having it very employee-led. So clear direction and interest from the top of the organization, but uh, staff really leading that work. And so what's exciting about the model for innovation that we've built here in Boulder is there are a couple of staff on my team in my department who do innovation work. And then there are also staff across departments who are in the community of practice around innovation. Um, so there are data analysts in almost every department. There are data stewards in every department. There are folks who are focused on metrics in departments. There are folks who we work with and partner with and spin off um, experiments in the departments. And so a lot of what we do from a centralized standpoint is sort of foster partnerships. It's very node-led versus center-led. Um, and, and that seems to work uh, really well. I think one of the hardest things actually with that model is that requires departments to articulate their problems publicly. And that's just to other departments. Like, here's a challenge we're having. If you hear of anyone looking to help solve that, or if you see a company that does that, or if you hear of a good process another government is using, can you, you know, connect us to that? So this isn't forced innovation. If you're not interested in change, we're not going to get you to change. And that's not my goal. But what I will do is show you how all the other departments are thriving because of change and thriving because of the help that we've provided. And then you'll want to get on board yourself. 
it's nice to go where you're wanted, but you also want to presumably drive change throughout the entire organization where it's needed. So besides just telling the stories of the successes and hoping that that word spreads to other departments, do you have any good techniques or tools that you've used? I think it's a few things. First, it's trust building with the leaders of those departments and those staff. I can't start an experiment with somebody and just dump work on them. I have to come alongside and help facilitate the process and answer questions and make sure that they're avoiding pitfalls. So I would say that's the first thing is, this isn't just me spinning up a bunch of projects and then saying like, good luck. Um, we're really sort of co-creating in that. Um, the second thing, so so trust is, is super essential in that. Um, and I would say too, that means that we have to manage the number of projects we're trying to start up at once um, and make sure we've got the right capacity to support. It's very clearly articulating what the goals and outcomes of things are so that we don't get to the end and people are like, did we achieve what we wanted? I think too, it's being a, a partner in a way that I don't have to be in front of every innovation. So, you know, if our transportation department finds something that's really cool, great. Like I don't need to be involved in that at all. What's helpful for me is like, if I know about it and we can learn some lessons that other departments can share in, that's great. So how can I help amplify the story of your success versus like, I have to be involved in every success. And then the last thing is um, really just building those those tools, um, the processes and the templates that make it easy for people to do this work. So, you know, reducing the barriers to entry on that and, you know, not having overly cumbersome processes and, and being pretty nimble with like, you know, I don't need your last born child before we begin this process. It's sort of like, you know, I can be your partner and I can be flexible and so can you. And so let's enter into this without a lot of like hoopla. Um, and that seems to work pretty well for folks too. I would say overall, if I can show that this will reduce the complexity of the work you do, improve the services that you provide, reduce the amount of staff time it takes, increase the amount of interesting work that's available versus like transactional, repetitive, boring work. Um, you know, people are generally pretty interested in that. Uh, I think as governments, we have too much on our plate and it's an ever expanding agenda. So if we can take off the stuff that's just processing and really add value, which is strategy or, you know, service, I think people are pretty excited about that. So I read your strategy that you've outlined as part of your role there, and it's your three to five year vision for what you want to accomplish in the city and how you want to go about doing that. It's always great to look forward and, and have a plan, but I think you also want to be able to stay nimble. So could you take us through how you thought about that process, who was involved, and if you have any resources you used for inspiration? So when I joined the city, there were a couple of things that the city manager definitely wanted to get done. She had been talking about metrics for six years um, and you know, there were a couple of failed uh, attempts at this. There were master lists of metrics generated and there were lots of different thought processes on how metrics could work. But like nobody had just sort of sat down and started to plod through the actual work itself, right? It was like a lot of strategy and a lot of thinking. And so that was an area where I could clearly see like this was just going to be sitting down, doing the work, making it sustainable, building sticky process, all of that. And it, it was going to just take a lot of time. 
So just working through department by department, understanding metrics, teaching metrics, communicating how metrics could help manage work, all of that, right? So that was a a set of work that the city manager said absolutely has to be part of this. Um, Open data was another one that we um, were a What Works City with Bloomberg Philanthropies. And um, one of our projects with their help was with the Sunlight Foundation focused on open data. And so that was really, again, like getting over the finish line of a policy, starting you know, the operational work of open data. And then beyond that, it was sort of, what else do you think it could be? And looking at the ecosystem here in Boulder, you know, there, it is rich with technology companies, with startups, um, with really involved constituents. Um, it's a very healthy um, economy. There's just like a lot of natural networking that goes on and a really open sphere for that. And so I thought, gosh, you know, looking at our community, what do we have available that we should take advantage of? And, and those were certainly the things. So partnering with external organizations and building a model that allowed us to experiment through expert help that literally lived in the neighborhood where our offices are um, seemed like a no-brainer and was kind of a, a key element of that. Um, and then, of course, you know, when you when you do open data, when you do performance management, all of a sudden you're starting to get at um, sort of data-informed decision-making. And that's really the, the biggest outcome uh, that we're looking for here. And, so, and that's, that's not just, you know, we built a spreadsheet and put a chart on it um, in order to, to make a decision. It's really a whole ecosystem of, understand, of gathering good data, understanding what data you need to gather, um, evaluating the data that you have gathered, um, understanding how to and what kinds of decisions you can make based on that information, and then actually doing something about it, right? The data says this, is this the right, you know, can we discern that this is the right uh, approach, blah, blah, blah. So it's really figuring all of that out and all of the tools for smart cities and analytics and business intelligence and open data and performance management is all really focused on that, right? How do we improve the lives of constituents because we are better informed on the outcomes of the work that we're doing. So what are the biggest challenges you see facing chief innovation officers today? I think you're in a really interesting situation where Boulder is by no means a small city, but in the size and scale of cities that typically have a chief innovation officer, you may have a particularly interesting viewpoint into some of the challenges that you'll face. Speaking to the small, this is the smallest organization I've I've ever worked with. And it Working in a small town is a really incredible perspective, right? Like the scale of systems and tools that we buy is smaller than other governments, right? We're sort of at the minimum viable enterprise product. Uh, We have 1,500 employees and we can't afford a $30 million system. And so a lot of the technology solutions that vendors call me repeatedly all day, every day about are systems that we'll never be able to purchase and don't even fit the the needs of our community. So that's kind of interesting. And and I would say that that's one of the key challenges of innovation officers today is sort of sorting the signal from the noise. Everybody is talking about AI disruption and autonomous vehicles and all that. And that's all coming, of course. But figuring out like, what are the steps I need to take to train my city to evolve with the pace of change? Uh, when governments have always been sort of one or two steps behind. But now change is happening a thousand times faster than it ever has. And so we can't operate in the same clip that we used to. And evolving so that we can understand 
what's real about trends, prepare for change, and do that adaptation, I think is phenomenally complex and hard to get right. The real question is, how do we prepare for a world that evolves much more quickly than our sort of standard government processes? I think incredibly insightful into thinking about size and scale and tools versus process. So let's shift gears and get started with what we call our rapid three questions, where I'm going to ask you three quick questions and you just fire back. So number one, City Sourced is all about the power that local governments can have in delivering more services via the smartphone. What type of phone do you use and what's your favorite personal mobile app? I use an iPhone 8S. I have two of them, one for my job and one for my home. My favorite apps, an app called Blinkist, which is a subscription service that basically provides you the cliff notes of uh, like all of the trending business framework books. Number two, what's one book you most recommend or give away? The book I most give away uh, is a book called An Awesome Book by Dallas Clayton, who is a children's author and illustrator. And he wrote the book for his son um, because he found a lot of the kids' books to be very constraining in terms of what a kid's imagination could be. And the awesome book basically talks about like, what if you had unconstrained thinking and, you know, lots of weird animals doing weird things and, you know, uh, just kind of letting a kid's imagination be limitless. Number three, what's one tool, software, or even non-technical hack that you're using to improve your life? Well, I would say that audiobooks are a huge hack to improve my life. Um, I commute and spend about two hours a day in the car. And, um, you know, I probably read 25 books last year, um, some of which I listened to and, and some of which, you know, I read with my eyeballs. And that's really awesome. Great. Well, Julia, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah, my pleasure being here and good luck to all those government innovators out there. Well, thank you. That ends our episode today. Please let our listeners know where they can find more information and connect with you online. I am at the Twitter handle, Julia underscore W underscore Richmond. Not very creative, but Julia Richmond was a suffragette. And uh, the first like 100 pages on Google are about her. Um, And I'm not named after her, but I just happen to have the same name. And you can find more information uh, on our city website about the work that we're doing with regard to innovation on our open data page on our Boulder measures uh, dashboard page, and then on our um, innovation um, homepage. So welcome to visit uh, there as well. Great. Well, we'll make sure that we put all those links online at citysource.com in our show notes. And if you want to learn more out there about local governments and how they're delivering more services to residents through our mobile app, please visit us at citysource.com. If you have any feedback about the show, I'd love to hear it shoot me an email. It's andrew at citysource.com or on Twitter at Andrew K. Kirk. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and Spotify. Please subscribe to the GovConnect podcast through your favorite podcast service and leave us a review. It greatly helps us to spread the word that GovConnect is the podcast for local government innovation. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to GovConnect. Please make sure you subscribe. And don't forget, we need you to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you the best in local government innovation.